We're going to read from uh, John 15, 11 again. And this is what it says. My purpose for telling you these things, and these things, if you uh, were with us this last week, were I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me, abide in me. Um, my purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We love um, who you are, God. I just pray that you would fill us with an abiding joy, a sense of your presence this morning. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. All right. I love, again, uh, as, as we were kind of launching this series and just kind of putting the normal promotions out, that we do on social media and emails and all the communication methods that you know we do. Um, that uh, Pastor Brent Parker, one of our founding pastors, messaged me and said, "Dude, I'm 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 preaching the same message starting this week." And then I I found out from a, another pastor friend out on the uh, West Coast that they were preaching a message on joy. And then this another pastor this week I found out is preaching a series on joy. So I really believe that this is something that the Holy Spirit is just speaking for this season and for this moment. Um, this is part two and of, of our series, Everyday Joy. So if you missed last week, I really, I, I, I don't do this often, but I want to encourage you to go back and check it out. I was pretty excited about it. And honestly, I haven't been able to stop thinking about um, that, that Greek word that we were digging into, kara, and, and the scriptures that we read last week. He is the vine, and we are the branches, and the fruit of joy, the fruit comes from the root, and um, the source, which is Jesus. And um, it, it probably doesn't need to be said anymore. It probably doesn't need to be said. But 2020 and 21 have been tough years for a lot of us, tough for our country, tough on individuals, um, and, a lot, and on a lot of different levels. So from, from my family personally, we've been dealing with some pretty severe illnesses that have taken um, two of my kids out of school for lengthy periods of time and just kind of out of almost everything. And, and uh, Bella <laughs> graduated in 2020, so you can probably imagine you know, all of the missed um, experiences and the challenges with that. And then too, you know, just four kids, uh, you know, in school during the pandemic, along with a toddler, um, and our routine was all kind of busted up. And, and so everything was unfamiliar and, and out of whack. And, you know, even as on Father's Day, as a husband and as a father and just a human being, I felt like, man, we, we need some joy. You know, we need to uh, do something fun and we need to please get out of the house. <laughs> and um, I know that there is some parent somewhere that needs to shout an amen right now, uh, but we need to mix it up, right? And, um, and so thankfully we have the Black Hills in our back doors and, and even, you know, when things were still all closed down, the outside was not. Um, and so Zion and I decided to hike Black Elk Peak, one of my favorite hikes. And um, which is a fabulous experience, albeit a little bit scary. I had never been up when the snow was, uh, the snow was, the, the last half of our adventure was, um, if you stepped off of the pack trail, um, I, I would fall into just powder snow, which was six foot high. <laughs> and it would come up all the way to my shoulders. So that was a little scary. But, um, <laughs> but I love adventure. We, we, I love the, the memories from that, uh, being up at the tower. How many of you ever hiked? It's historic Harney Peak, Black Elk. It's a beautiful hike. 
Um, the, the boys and, and I were able to go on a, a road trip um, to visit their eldest siblings, Autumn and, and Cynthia, over in Duluth, um, stopping at a, some of our old stomping grounds all along the way. Zai ended up on that trip with almost pneumonia on the way back. And then, you know, when things started really opening up again, the boys and I and the, the girls had to work. We were able to take a trip down to Denver just to get away. And, you know, that's, that's just us. You know, mom and dad, and, and we're doing the, the best we can to try to create a culture of fun um, in our family, a culture of joy. And, and so I, I have a desire sometime to take, to take our whole family again. We've done this earlier on. Uh, uh, in our family, family years to go to Disney World uh, before they get too much older. And Disney is one of those places that people just kind of think about as a place of joy, right? But have, have, have you ever done this as parents? You plan an amazing, an amazing trip and we set these high expectations of hearing things like, you know, you're the best parents ever, or this is the greatest day of my life. This is unbelievable. And, and our daughters and sons are gonna be telling each other how much they love each other and that they're best friends and they're gonna be kind to each other and maybe you take them to the most magical place on the earth and you know, we're gonna find joy there. And, and, and you have this scene in your mind that from the moments that you walk in the park, you know, the joy of Disney, the joy of the magic kingdom is just gonna flood your hearts and your minds. But then in reality, you walk in and within five minutes, one of the kids is on the verge of tears and another kid is in timeout. And you know, just things just weren't like you had envisioned. And you're like, I thought this was supposed to be the place where all my dreams come true, right? And so I just wanna ask, a, a, a really deep theological question this morning. So what, what if you can't find joy at Disney or wherever else you know, you're looking for it, where do you go to? And, and can you all go there with me today? Is that okay Is that if we go that way? Let's evaluate where we go to find joy. Um, where are you looking for satisfaction to, to, to the things that your soul needs that will sustain you? Yes, in the good moments, Yes in those, but maybe even more so in the challenging moments. Is joy an option and, you know, where are you going to look to find it? Uh, so Jesus, as we learned last week, he, he wants you and I um, not to be having, uh, you know, happiness based on changing outcomes, but he wants us to be rooted in him. I'm the vine, you are the branches, and have a gratitude based on unchanging outcomes in our lives. That's what joy is. And Jesus wants you and I to have joy, a deeper kind of joy. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches, abide, remain, remain in me, abide in me, let me be your source. And then closes out with my purpose for telling you these things. The verse that we opened up with is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Um, my, uh, so that, that verse still just makes me want to take laps around the sanctuary. I, but again, the question, where are you and where am I looking for our joy? And so let's go to Luke chapter 15 this morning. If you're familiar um, with scriptures, this is a very uh, well-known, well-read chapter. There are, there are three stories that Jesus shares here, but they're all really one message. Three different stories, but the same theme. As you think about it, three stories, three word pictures, one message. Are there any guesses on what the theme is from this passage? 
Joy, thank you. That's a very good. <laughs> Joy, yes, the lost get found. Yes, the gospel is shared. Yes, there is a party in heaven, and I love that. The kingdom of heaven is a party. I can preach that. But if we boil this all down to one word in these, these three stories, I believe it's joy. Jesus is talking about joy or celebration five times in the first 10 verses that we're going to read today. And it makes me, again, ask the question, why? Why, would, why is Jesus always talking about this? Why is he talking so much about joy? Why was he trying so hard to get this message through? Well, maybe to start with, I mean, he was talking to a group, group of people in this scenario that didn't have joy. And, and then again, we also know that from last week that he wants us to have joy, to be walking in joy, to, to have that be a, a fruit in our life, the fruit of the spirit. The second one, we all believe that love is important, but in the fruit of the spirit, the very second one is joy, <laughs> love, joy, peace. I, I, I think it's really important to God. And, and, and here he is, Jesus on earth, talking to people that maybe in this scenario at least don't have joy. So verse one, I'm gonna just shoot through a lot of scripture this morning. Um, I, I already warned my media guy, so hopefully you know, we can keep up this morning. But here we go, all right? Strap in. Um, many, this is verse one. Many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. They raised concerns among the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. Indignant, they grumbled and complained, saying, look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them all to come to him. So you've got this scene where the Son of God, the, the Word of God is about to teach and he's about to proclaim the things of God and he's speaking to two groups. On, on one side, he's speaking to the tax collectors and the notorious sinners. And I, I think we all understand that this was not a compliment, you know, them being referred to as sinners. First talking about, but let's go to the tax collectors. Talking about them, they were the Jews that had buddied up with the Romans. And um, the Romans were, were occupying Jerusalem, the land of God, right? And, and so this was their territory, but the Romans were kind of running it now. And Jew, Jewish people, in their own selfishness and in their greed, they were working for the Romans to collect taxes. And so they were the sellouts in the Jewish mind, these guys, the tax collectors. They were the traitors. They were hated because not only were they collecting taxes for the Romans, but they were upcharging their own neighbors, um, their own countrymen, their own friends and their family at a profit to themselves. And so there's the tax collectors, and then there's also the notorious sinners. And you're like, this is a broad group. Who are these sinners? Um, and, and all we know is that they were labeled as if they had no regard for God's law, for God's way. They, they were just kind of doing their own thing. They had pushed religion to the side, and now they're outcasts. They were hated because they didn't want, and they weren't following the rules that were imposed on them by the, the religious, somewhat to the extreme, by the religious, by the rest of the Jewish people. Jesus was with the tax collectors and with the notorious sinners. And here's the thing. They were doing what was right in the eyes of man, right? Any, anybody living that way right now, there's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that seems right to a woman. I'm, I'm just going to do what I want, when I want, whatever I feel. I'm going to say yes to that. I'm going to go down that path. Well, the scripture says you can rationalize it all you want and justify the path of error you have chosen, but you'll find out in the end that you've, you've taken the road to destruction, Proverbs 14. Um, this group had the pleasures of the world, but they did not have the joy of the Lord. Pleasures, but no joy. So, but they weren't the only group that Jesus was speaking to. They were the Jewish um, religious leaders 
and the Pharisees and the experts of the law. And so they knew the stuff. They followed the stuff. And, and like I said earlier, they pushed it to the extreme, dot every I, cross every T. They had the outward ap- uh, appearance of being right with God, but Jesus knew that they didn't have joy. And why? Because their religion was kind of this external thing, um, not from the heart. It was all duty and obligation. It was devoid of delight. Jesus saw them and he began to share these stories, these teachable moments, if you will, because he didn't want them to go through the motions and just do that. And so here's the question. Are you going through the motions? You know, are you just doing what everybody else is doing, uh, but it's not from the overflow of your heart? Um, There is no joy in that. And uh, your savior and your maker and your friend, um, he wants you to have joy. Following Jesus isn't just saying yes because you have to and missing out on pleasure of the world. It's more like this is what we get to do and this is the grace of God in our lives. And so not only that, but the religious leaders and the experts of the law had status. They had influence, they had power, they had prestige, right? They had the prestige of the world, but no joy. And so Jesus sees both of these groups and one is grumbling and the, the other is drawn to him. Why? There's, there's something about him. There's, and he has joy. In this, and that's what happens when you have joy, right? People are drawn to that. Um, they want to be around you. So Jesus is thinking both of these people need joy and I know where to find it. So he starts teaching. Verse three, Jesus tells them um, this parable, a story with an intent to teach us something. And so there's a moral to it. So this is what he says. There once was a shepherd with a hundred lambs, but one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. So the shepherd left the 99 lambs out in the open field and searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb, and he did not stop until he finally found it. It's like when you misplace your car keys, right? And you have lots of other possessions, um, 99 other possessions in your home, but when you lose your car keys, it's like, I gotta do the hard work of looking for that one thing until I find it, right? But Jesus is talking about sheep here. And this would be a very recognizable scenario for these groups of people. Um, and, and what I've missed, maybe missed about this passage in the past is, you know, we tend to think that the shepherd going after the one sheep would have, uh, you know, maybe this would have been a sort of unusual kind of behavior, but it wasn't because sheep were valuable. Sheep were currency. Sheep were there for sacrifice. Um, sheep meant a lot to the family. And this family had 100 sheep. That's a lot of sheep. But shepherds, they don't have a win some, lose some mentality. No, any shepherd with 100 sheep, they would have gotten the other sheep home, the 99. They would have put them in the pen. They would have put them in in the care of somebody else, another shepherd. And then they're going to go find that missing sheep, hopefully alive. But if not, to at least confirm that they knew where the sheep ended up. Um, That was typical behavior. And he's saying, so what if you were a shepherd? And, and these religious leaders and experts, well, they don't want to be a shepherd. Uh, that's the lowest of the low in their minds. That's for the youngest. That's for the lowest on the totem pole. That's unclean. You're dealing with animals. And so, so they're, they're, they're thinking to themselves, well, we would never be a shepherd. But yes, if we were shepherds, Jesus, we would expect them to do whatever it takes to get our last sheep home. And so this was typical behavior. And he says, when they find the lost lamb, verse five, with exuberant, what? Joy. With exuberant joy, he raised it up. He placed it on his shoulders and he carried it back with cheerful delight. Now we realize, right, that we are referenced as sheep in a lot of the scripture and that that is not the greatest compliment. 
Um, we know that, right? I, I hate to offend anybody, but sheep are not the smartest animals. They aren't the brightest in the bunch. They couldn't defend themselves. They need rescuing like this guy. Many of you have probably seen this before. We are like the sheep stuck in the rut, being rescued by our shepherd. And oh, what do we do? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so, you know, even when we get rescued, oh boy, we're prone to wander. And that's what good sheep are good at, right? We're prone to wander. They're gifted at getting lost. And so Jesus says, yeah, you're like a bunch of sheep. And it says, when the shepherd finds the sheep, he's joyful about it. He's returning home. He called all his friends and neighbors together and said, let's have a party. Let's have a party. Come and celebrate with me the return of my lost lamb. It has wandered away, but I found it and I brought it home. He rejoices in it and it brings him joy. Now, if, if some of us were the shepherd, if maybe if I was a shepherd and we found that sheep, you know, we're going to give that sheep a lecture. <laughs> we're going to talk to that sheep. We're going to chew it out. You stupid, dumb animal. Why, why, why am I stuck with you? Why am, why do I have to be your, why, do, why am I having to deal with this over and over again? I let you out. You just jump back right back in the rut. Not this shepherd. When, when the good shepherd rescues his sheep, he finds joy. He finds joy. He rejoices. And then not only that, he calls his friends and his neighbors up and said, let's pate. I found my lost sheep. And then he says, in the same way, there will be this glorious celebration in heaven over the rescue of one lost sinner who has an aha moment, right? Comes back home and returns to the fold more so than for all the unrighteous people who never strayed away. Are you kidding me? Jesus is telling them this story and he's giving them the gospel. This is the gospel story. He's giving them a picture of heaven. And it says in other translation, there will be more joy. Kara, that same Greek word that we studied last week. If, if you see at the very bottom of the Kanga, we're going to put this slide up again uh, to look at this. This is the same uh, slide we were looking at last week. Um, we get joy because of grace. This is the same word here. Um, there'll be more joy in heaven, a glorious celebration, angels celebrating and rejoicing to the praise and the glory of God, to the praise of his grace. This is what's happening when the lost are found. And so, you know, you have permission when we celebrate at the end of service, when people, you know, make a decision like that, that's like party time. And, and, and when, when those are, that are prone to, to wander are rescued, when we are restored, there is joy in the house of the Lord. And, and so not just in that person's life, but in heaven. And so, but then I want to go back to verse five quick. It says, when the shepherd finds the sheep, I, I love this with exuberant joy. Have you ever seen this before? With exuberant joy, he raises it up, he places it on his shoulders, and he carries it back with cheerful delight. Joy. Jesus here is speaking to people that are lost, remember his audience, that have turned their back on God, and he's saying, I'm like a shepherd going after his sheep. And when he comes to rescue them, likely after they've done something wrong, they've gone and they're prone to wander, right? They've wandered away when they've turned their back. Just like many of the people that are listening to him speak in this moment as he's sharing this story, when God comes to the rescue, he's not mad. 
He's not mad. He's, he rejoices over you because you're his and he wants to take you back home. So it's with joy that he puts you back in his heart. It's not, it, it's, it's not because you've earned you know, the right for, uh, for him to come and get you. It's because he, in his grace, decided that he wanted you with exuberant joy. This is a picture of the gospel. With exuberant joy. He raised it up and he placed it on his shoulders and carried it back with cheerful delight. He does all the work to get that sheep back home. This is our salvation. And, and not that we get ourselves you know, put back together and we make ourselves look good and then maybe God will take us back. No, he finds us in the thicket. He finds us in the rut. He finds us on the edge of the cliff. He finds us on the verge of death maybe. And he says, I'm your rescue. I'm gonna restore you. This is Jesus telling the gospel story, and please notice that it is filled with joy. But I want, I want you to see the next iteration of that word. The first one is kara, and um, it was joy because of grace when it says that uh, he does this joyfully. That's the same word, just in verm form. Uh, and so kairo, and it, it's yes, I rejoice and I'm glad, but it says to expect to delight in God's grace, to experience God's grace, to be conscious of his grace. Okay, that's awesome. But, but who's the one rejoicing in this picture? Who's the one rejoicing? The shepherd. Who, who, who does the shepherd represent? It rep represents Jesus, the father heart of God. So looking at these verses, where does God find joy? Not in receiving grace because God doesn't need grace. He hasn't done anything wrong. He never wandered off. He's never messed up. He's never turned his, his back. But God rejoices in giving grace. <laughs> he, rejo he rejoices. God rejoices in showing you grace. That is what makes God happy. This is what fires him up. Yes, you know, we might have, we messed up. Yes, like sheep. We've, we've probably gone astray, but God, he rejoices to come and to find you and to pick you up. This is the heart of the father. So I don't know if you feel like you've gone too far, if you're too far off, um, or you've done, just done too much, but I know there's a shepherd who rejoices to come and rescue you from the rut. God rejoices in giving grace. Don't miss that this morning, but also think about the fact that if he's our father, and we're his sons and his daughters, we're part of his family, we're made in his image, and if that is so, then what brings God joy should also be what brings us joy. If that's what makes God happy, then that should be at the very least some of what we're, we're to look for, for joy too. So let's not stop there, let's keep reading on to the next parable. It says, there once was a woman who had 10 valuable silver coins when she lost one of them, she swept her entire house, diligently searching every nook and cranny for that one lost coin. When she finally found it, she gathered all her friends and neighbors for a what? A celebration? Telling them, come and celebrate with me. I had lost my precious silver coin, but now I found it. That's the way God responds every time one lost sinner repents and turns to him. He says to all of his angels, let's have a joyous celebration for the one who is lost, I have found. This isn't like a quarter or a penny like we think of when we think of a coin. This was valuable. That coin would represent the price of a sheep or, or uh, one commentator said about one-fifth the cost of an oxen or maybe even a tenth of her savings. 
So think about it. If you lost a tenth of your savings, what would you do to go and find it? <laughs> right? Whatever it took. I mean, we've, we've done crazier things for less. Some of you have camped out outside of Walmart and Best Buy to get that Black, uh, Black Friday price for that TV, you know. This, this lady goes out of her way to find what, what was valuable to her. And you realize today that what this is saying, the, 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 the picture that is painting in this picture is that everyone matters to God. This is what Jesus is teaching, that you matter to God. No matter where you are, what you've done, if you've got it all figured out, if you don't have it all figured out, doesn't matter, you are valuable to God. When you recognize that, and when you receive that, when you grasp that, what does that do? It brings joy. It, it, the, the gospel produces joy in our lives. But I want us to do another Greek study because she says, celebrate with me here, three words. But in the Greek, it's just one word. So let's check it out, it's the word, Sunkairo, it's also a verb. It's from the same root word from last week and the same verb form from last week, Cairo, rejoicing in God's grace. But now we add that, um, that preface, that S-Y-G in, and that part means to identify with. So the woman finds the coin and representing God, she shows up to her friends and her neighbors who did not you know, do anything to help her find that coin. And they are now invited to the party. They're invited to the celebration. And what the woman is saying here is come and find joy. Come in and find joy in what I have found and come and celebrate with me. And maybe you're recognizing that this is the picture of what the church should be, right? That we really don't do the saving. We get to participate in it, and that's fun um, sometimes. But, you know, it's Jesus is the one who does the saving, right? He's the rescuer. Yet we're invited to participate and to find our joy in what was lost. And so in, it's the grace of God in my life. I, I'm, I'm not perfect by any means. Uh, I struggle left and right just like you do. And, and no one that ever stands up on this stage or any stage has it all together. And if they pretend that they do, maybe they're not the people to follow. But none of us have it all together, right? But by God's grace, he, he, he got a hold of my heart. And, and I knew I was called to serve him in ministry. And, and he always surrounded me with people in my life that um, uh, wanted to follow God and, and, and not just go through the motions. That was a blessing in my life. Um, it wasn't just about being you know, good church kids. Um, I wanted to be on mission. I wanted to help. I wanted to be a part of what was God, God was doing to seek and save that which was lost. And I wanted to participate in that because we find joy when God's heart becomes our heart. I was kind of an odd kid in high school and I, I didn't follow the popular trends. I was more about making up my own thing, my own style. My hair was always changing almost weekly. I wore military uh, shoes that you know, were shined and, and I, I loved putting together thrift store buys into something that was unique. I sang, I wrote music. I was a quirky kind of artistic creative type, I guess. And it was, it was some of those things that ended up opening some doors. And, and I was reminiscing with friends just this week who used to kind of tour along with me in my little you know, uh, teen days kind of garage band, I suppose you could call it. Um, one of them was Chris Bruce from Monumental Worship, um, Lance Nielsen, um, or Angel Dean, as some of you will know him, was one of them. And, and we do concerts and shows at churches and festivals and events, even in the streets, with all these songs that I'd written about Jesus. And when my first song was played on the radio, 
which coincidentally was also my last, um, my science teacher, my science teacher in the public school, he found out about it and he stopped the whole class to listen. And the tagline to that song's chorus was, change my heart, oh Lord. And we were listening to that song in science class. So imagine that, imagine that moment. And some of my friends who came along with me um, and, and sang and, and played with me, they were nominal Christians with kind of a sideline faith. Um, but after going around and singing out at the, these places with me and attending you know, music festivals with the family and stuff, and just basically seeing God change lives, they started to get passionate about Jesus too. And one of them commented just this week, I was sharing and kind of reminiscing about some of those days. And he said, I remember the concert that we did in the dance room of the YMCA. Deanna was there that night as well. It was an outreach event um, that a church had hired us to do. And he said, the kids loved it. And we were dancing all over the place. It was one of those lock-ins, you know, there till four or five o'clock in the morning, I might add. It was a lock-in. Um, and, he, and he ended by saying, I had so much fun with you. He's just talking about just the kind of joy that, you know, he was able to experience. Chris, Aaron, and your folks, thank you for allowing me to be a part of that journey. So seeing God, you know, use music and change the lives of my friends, even at that age, was an absolute gift from God. And that's the sweet spot. That's the lasting joy. That's the treasures in heaven, that's participating in the grace-giving process that Jesus came on earth to do. And there's nothing better. It says all through scripture, why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? That's what he's saying to this group of people that are spending their money looking for joy and, and purpose and hope in the wrong places. Or even, you, you guys know this verse, you've heard this one before, even if you were going to gain all the wealth and the power of this world at the cost of your own life, what good would it be? What good would it be and what, what could be more valuable to you than your own soul? See, the religious leaders, they knew God's law, but they missed his heart and they missed out on joy. Where are you looking for joy? Where are you looking for it? Are you participating in the process? Are you, a, are you at the parties with people that are celebrating the grace of God in people's lives? Man, let me tell you, if, if you get a taste of that, you can't go back. I, you know, I wasn't always a, pre a preacher. I wasn't on the staff at a church. I was a teenage kid making music. But once you have somebody come up to you and say, hey, you know, if it, ain't, if it weren't for you, I don't know where I would be. That, that, that. There's a joy in that. It, it's joy in heaven that we, we get a glimpse of on, on earth. God wants to use you and he wants you to be in the mix of his grace-giving process. There is nothing better to live for. It doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers and it doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you have it all figured out. Um, you've just realized that the pleasures of the world aren't enough and the prestige and the status and the fame of this world, is, it's not gonna fill you up. It's not gonna fill anybody up. You'll just be thirsty again. So we, us, the church, we wanna help the world drink from the well that never runs dry, right? The well of salvation. God's joy is giving grace and we get joy when his heart becomes our heart. And then to, to just put it real clearly, true joy is found in both receiving and extending grace. Let's go to the last story that Jesus tells here. Commonly called the prodigal son, but the proper name could really be the prodigal father because it's his lavish love that, that is really the story is about, right? Prodigal means, if you don't know, it means spending money or resources freely or recklessly, wastefully extravagant. We could also call this the parable of the two sons. There's two sons in this story. So 
here's the Cliff Notes version. We, we know that the prodigal, the one that had returned home after wasting his inheritance, you know, leaving the family and going off with prostitutes and then going to the low place of, you know, even being in the pig pen, uh, eating with the pigs, he comes back. His father sees him from a long way off, it says. And that the son, when he came, he said, he, he, that's the son that got the ring. He got the robe. He got the sandals. He, the father was... was was giving lavish grace to his son that had returned. Those are all the pictures of God's honor, God's love, God's approval. If you want joy in your life, don't forget that you're wearing God's sandals and his ring and his robe. Don't go back to thinking that you earned where you're at right now. The psalmist says, forget not the benefits. Yahweh, you are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracle of kindness that you've done for me? How about, you know, David, he prayed, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. The joy of my salvation. Let my passion for life be restored, tasting joy in every breakthrough that you bring to me. I'm saddened that sometimes it seems like the longer we've had faith in Jesus, the less joyful we become. Sometimes maybe you've seen that in somebody's life. Maybe you've seen it in your life. What's the deal with that? What's, here's the thing. We forget the robe. We forget the sandals. We forget the ring that was put on our finger. You've received grace. And as you grow in your faith, don't move past that. Grow more aware of God's grace. There's joy found in receiving God's goodness and his presence and his plans and his purpose. But then true joy is also found in extending grace. And it says in verse 25, now the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned. And as he approached the house, he heard the music, boots and cats and boots and cats. He heard the music playing, the celebration, the dancing. And he called over one of his servants and he asked, what's going on? The servant replied, it's your younger brother. He's returned home and your father is throwing a party to celebrate. Can you hear the tone of the servant? He's like, he was dead. Now he's alive. He's back. There's a party. Come on. There is a part, there's rejoicing going on in the house of the Lord. You've got to get in on this. This is the best news ever. We've been waiting for this. We've been praying for this. We've been looking for this. But the older brother, verse 28, became angry and he refused to go in and celebrate. Don't get me wrong. You know, the young, the, the young son, the young, younger one didn't deserve a party that day. And it was because of that, that the older son, he'd had it. He was done. He was angry. He was understandably angry because not only did his, his brother embarrass his father, embarrass the family, he wasted away the inheritance. And I, I don't pretend that there's not angry people in this room or maybe even not in this room because, you know, they've been angry and they've left the church. And understandably, you, they, they're, they're angry because life is hard. The world is hard. There are challenges. There is sickness. There is racism and it's ugly. There's betrayal, there's insecurity, there's evil, there is trouble. And I don't know your story and I don't know all that you've gone through, but I know what I've gone through. I know what I'm going through. Life isn't always easy. The older brother understandably was mad, but he was missing out on something significant. Verse 28 said, his father came out and pleaded with him 
pleaded with him, come and enjoy the feast with us. And the son said, don't miss this. When he answered his father, he didn't even give a title of honor to his brother. He didn't say, Father, I don't understand this. doesn't make sense. He came to his father with a lecture. And he said, Father, listen, how many years have I worked like a slave for you? I've performed every duty. You've asked, you've asked as a faithful son. I've done it all. I've, and I've never once disobeyed you. But you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you even given me a goat that I could feast and celebrate with my friends as this son of yours, he doesn't even claim him as his brother. This son of yours is doing right now. Look at him. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. And here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. Sadly, some of us find ourselves there. We're saying, oh yeah, God, I've, I've got something to say to you. You did this. This is your fault. And if you are God, why did you let this happen? And we don't always get the answers to those questions, but we get to see a picture of the father here in verse 31 that I love. This is what he says. This is how the father responds. He says, my son, he looks at the angry son. He looks at you, the angry daughter, my daughter. I know it was hard. I know it's been tough, my son, right? The father said, my son, you are always with me by my side. Everything that I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to rejoice and to celebrate like this because your brother, don't forget, don't forget that he's your brother. Your brother, he's ours. He's your brother was once dead and gone, but now he's alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he was found. He's pleading, yes, I understand that you're bitter. I get it. You're mad. You're angry. But again, he wants us to have joy. So he's saying, extend grace. You've been living in my grace here at the ranch the whole time. <laughs> so now we get to extend that grace Come into the party. Come celebrate. Come find the joy of the good news. It's in extending grace, my extravagant grace. Forgiveness is a key that can unlock the door of joy. So, you know, that's, that's a question we can ask this morning. Who do you need to forgive? Who are you angry at? Who wronged you? Who stabbed you? I'm not saying to look it over. I'm not saying that it wasn't hard or it isn't hard. I'm just saying more than likely they've moved on and you're still missing out on joy. The grace of God allows us to use that key of forgiveness. And when we use that key, we receive joy because it's found in both receiving and in extending grace. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to make amends with? Because if we're not careful, we're all in danger of becoming the older brother. One of the easiest traps to fall into is thinking, man, if I've been doing the right thing, I've been you know, going the right way, you know, I haven't been messing up like all those other losers. So why am I still facing the challenge? Why am I still struggling? Why are there things not working out the way I want? I don't have time to share the whole story about this, but this is my favorite part of what I get to share today. Um, looks like several of you have already been following along with the story of Monumental Worship who have been with us several times this last year leading worship, the last year or so. 
Um, some of you have, been, have known the Bruce family for much longer. Um, Chris, the, the Bruce family dad, is a high school friend of mine. And um, the family has longtime connections with Destiny and has, you know, like I said, more recently they've been here, they've led us in worship. Um, the last time was at our, our 24th uh, birthday celebration when Judah was here sharing. So anyhow, some of you know, um, two Sundays ago, the family was out in Washington State. Uh, as, as many of you know, when they were here, they were sharing about this, this thing where God has, um, Holy Spirit has prompted them to lead ca- uh, worship at, at all of our state capital, capital, sorry, capitals. And so they're, they're on that journey right now. And they, were, they were, had just been at the, um, the capital in Washington State. And Sunday evening, June 5th, they decided to go visit um, the Olympic National Park tide pools along the West Coast. And to get to the tide pools, they had to hike out about a mile down to the beach across the sand and over to this um, rocky area. So I'm going to read some of, of this directly from Lori's account, um, Chris's wife, of what happened on that day. She says, once we arrived, some of the older kids dispersed to explore. Chris and I and the littles hiked up to a rock about 20 foot high to see the view and scope out the best tide pool viewing spots. Chris was holding Serenity at the time. That's their littlest. And uh, we looked around and spotted some colorful starfish below, and we decided that was the direction that we wanted to go. And with serenity in his arms, Chris took the first step towards the tide pool, and his foot began to slip. He felt like he was sliding into the splits, and he lost his footing, and he smacked his right hip on the rock, and he said he immediately felt and heard it crack upon impact. He began to roll down from the 15 to 20-foot this 15 to 20 foot height and serenity um, was in his hands, if you remember, and he was falling over and rolling over and over and he and serenity rolled and he would, he would wrap his arms around her and tuck his head over her to shield her from the impact. And I would see him and then her and then him and then her as they toppled over one another. I screamed their names. I screamed for someone to help them. I saw them roll and then slam into another boulder on the way down, bouncing off and then finally landing into a few feet of the tide pool water below. This is a picture of where they were standing up at the top left where the circle is and and the distance that they fell. so Chris was quickly, after they had fallen in, kind of into the water area there, Chris, Chris quickly lifted Serenity up out of the water. And he said he wanted to get um, her the help that she needed as soon as possible. So he held her high out of the water and handed her over to the first person available. And that person immediately handed her to Halal, um, her brother, who checked her out to make sure that she wasn't bleeding or broken. So this is a picture of Chris after he had been um, lifted up out of the tide pool um, in immense pain. There's, and there's so much more to the story um, that I would encourage you to read all of it. And I've got the link on your notes, um, a quick link. You can just click on that link if you're watching online or go type in mydestiny.familychris to see it all. Miracle after miracle after miracle to get Chris back to safety. So Lori continues and she says, once we arrived at the hospital, the trauma team quickly took Chris to a room and they quickly assessed that Chris had broken his upper right femur and had dislocated it from his hip. Um, Chris was in the back room uh, in surgery for six hours They said it took twice as long as they initially thought because he had shattered his femur in several different places. So when you break a femur bone, 
If I remember right, this is the biggest bone in the body, right? It's, it's, it's a lot of blood loss. But since his surgery was so long, he lost even more. So they, they, they pierced the shattered, they pieced the shattered bones together with some wires and washers and screws and a long titanium rod. And since surgery, Chris has had to have two blood transfusions as his hemoglobin had been low. This, is, this next picture was taken of uh, just before Chris's second transfusion. Uh, Lori had come in and he, he was very sick. And um, he told Lori, he said, this is all I have the strength to do. He's still worthy of my praise. I love that. And, and then here's a, here's a picture of Lori um, shielding Chris's eyes from the sun as they were waiting for him to be life lighted directly after the accident so they didn't have to, you know, hike back the, the mile to get back out of there where they were. And then this last picture of Chris and his daughter, Serenity, alive and doing well. His son, Barack, posted this picture. It says, Serenity and Dad. The quote, the quote on the bottom, you, can, you won't be able to read it from there, but it says, he saved her life by taking the fall. Someone told me it's the perfect example of Jesus. Now he wrapped his arms around us to save our lives when we were falling. So here's why I share this. You know, if we're not careful, we can, we can easily let bitterness take root when things don't go our way. It's so easy, it's so, so easy. Because, well, shouldn't I be blessed, right? Um, but it's the grace of recognizing, man, God really has given me and he's blessed me with so much and I don't wanna lose sight of that. And I wanna make sure we have the volume up on this next clip. I wanna make sure we can hear this very clearly. I wanna hit the lights. This next clip is the best thing uh, I think of the whole service today. I edited out a video snippet of Chris giving an update um, from over in Washington. Listen to what he says. Hey everybody, Chris here. Ah, it's been quite a while, last couple of weeks. Um, still in Washington State and just uh, feeling overwhelmed with God's goodness. Such a wonderful family. Um, Lori's been amazing. The kids have been amazing. And then all of you guys out there, I feel like I have the best friends in the whole world. And I'm just overflowing with gratitude uh, for many things, for being alive, for Serenity being well, for... Uh, just for God's evident goodness daily. I'm just overflowing with gratitude and praise, thanksgiving. Um, it's still hard. I'm in pain all the time. Um, it just never really goes away, but uh, I'm in good spirits. I just have joy. I have determination to get through all of this. I just have joy after 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 I have determination to get through all of this. Did you hear it? I'm in constant pain right now. Constant pain, it doesn't go away, but I just have joy. My faith in God and my joy is not dependent on the current situation or the current outcomes in my life. It is rooted, come on somebody, in a source. All fruit, fruit comes from the root, right? That is never changing. And then as a church, this is where we're gonna end. As a church, I want us to look at this picture of the gospel 
through these stories that Jesus told and make sure that we keep becoming and stay the house that celebrates what the Father says to celebrate. He says it's only right to rejoice and celebrate. This is the only right way to do it. The story demanded cheer. It, it, it demanded joy. It demanded a party. Your brother once was dead and gone, but now he's alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he's found. And that word, when he says celebrate, it's not from the word kara that we've been reading. It's a different word. And it's talking about here, what we see here is cheering, sometimes even singing, being joyful because of a victory. Isn't that the church that you want to be a part of? Being caught up in joy because of the victory? Come on, right? The religious leaders and the experts of the law that Jesus was telling these stories to, there was so much muttering and grumbling about the actions of Jesus. Why is he with them? Why is he hanging around those folks? They don't deserve him. Well, neither did we. We've got to be careful, church, that we don't stand off to the side and mutter and grumble and complain. That's what religious people do. We want to be more like Jesus and get in the mix. We're not going to become like the world, but we're still going to be in the world and around the world and loving people. The religious leaders and experts of the law, what they should have been doing, how they should have been responding is, oh, this is awesome. These people are far from God and that's God in the flesh. I hope Jesus really nails his gospel presentation with this. I hope that Jesus really makes it plain. I hope he comes through just like us. They need to hear what he has to say. Instead, they were saying, why are you with them? Let's be a church that follows Jesus' lead, one that has the heart of Jesus who came to seek and save the lost. If you want joy on this earth, that's going to be a glimpse of the joy that we're going to get in heaven. Uh, so, you know, as, as a church, let's continue to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, a church that is sending out uh, an, on full-out rescue missions. I think of the church plant that we're going to be a part of supporting with Judah and Kansas in Denver, and then receiving the people into great and joyful celebrations. I believe that the church should be a place of joy because the lost have been found and the dead are alive. It doesn't mean that we come in here and act like everything is perfect. It doesn't mean that we come into this building and act like things aren't going on in our lives. There will be moments of high celebration and cheer and joy and dancing and singing at the top of my lungs and shouting from the bathroom and running around the sanctuary and you know all of that kind of stuff. You had to be here last week for the bathroom reference. But um, th there, <laughs> because I'm so fired up and full of joy because of some good circumstances in my life, but there's also gonna be some hard stuff you know, where joy comes from a deeper and more sustainable place. That's life, but, but here's what I'm contending for. No matter what the circumstances are, I am still assured of the victory that I have in Jesus. That produces joy. It's like Paul's writing in the scripture when he was sorrowful, but he was always rejoicing. It's like our friend Chris going, for, going through that pain that, that never goes away currently right now, but also saying currently right now. I'm just so full of joy. So come what may, bring it on. 
right? Whatever comes, we're people of joy. We're people of joy when we're on mission with Jesus to love people and help them find the joy that can only be found in the root, the source that is Jesus. We will also be filled. So one last thing, I don't know any of the rest of you saw it this week, but these kind of things were just kind of like shouting out at me uh, as I was just going through my week. I sure saw this this week. Check out the, the this is Chris Bruce's uh, graphic on his, the, his cover graphic on his Facebook page. And with that definition, that we just read um, from the Greek word there. Um, doesn't this just make you want to smile? <laughs> Victor, one that defeats an enemy or an opponent. If you want to hear even more, um, Chris shared more of the story about the 30-minute story about the victory that he's receiving. Um, go visit him on, on his page. And I'm sure they'll be adding it to the website as later this week too. So let's pray. Isn't God good? <laughs> All right, fill us with your joy. Despite our circumstances, whatever we're going through, Lord, there's stories of, of you coming as a shepherd and lifting us up on your back with joy. There's stories of the lost being found and the church rejoicing of the, of, of the lost coin being found. There's stories of your exuberant, wild, overextending, unbelievable grace. Lord, when the prodigal son comes and returns and all of a sudden you become the prodigal father giving and giving and giving and uh, throwing a party. God, let that kind of joy, that, that joy that comes from a source that's not our own, that the, all, all of the fruit comes from the root, God. I pray that you would help us just over the next few weeks as we continue to dig in, Lord, to experience in all of its fullness and all of, all of your glory, your kind of joy. Before I close this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're going through some tough stuff and you're kind of in the middle of, a, I'm, I'm going through some painful stuff right now. Um, I, you know, the scriptures never say anything about not going through hard times or not walking through some tough stuff, but there is a source that we find in Jesus. He is the, he is the source of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness in our lives. And if you're looking for something like that, if you're looking for someone to be a rescue um, in your situation, someone that'll come and search and find you and pull you out of the pig pen and, and uh, throw a party for you, I want to introduce you to Jesus. Um, if that's you today, whether it be a re-surrender, I, I, here I am, I lay my life down. I surrender this morning like we were singing earlier today. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. I I wanna invite you to that relationship this morning. And so with all the saints, every head bowed and every eye closed, this is just a private moment between you and God. Um, I wanna ask if that's you this morning. And, uh, and here's what I want you to do. Um, nobody else is looking but me. And I just want you to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I, I wanna... I want the kind of joy that only um, Jesus can give. And I want to pray with you this morning. All right, I see that hand. Any others this morning? If you're watching online, we're green. I see that hand, thank you. All right. I want, to, I want us to all pray this together. And when we're done, I want us to all celebrate together. All right, just like a church should. Let's pray this prayer. Father God, I surrender 
all that I am. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I lay it down. Come and be my rescue. Pull me from the pig pen. Pull me from the hard stuff in my life. You are faithful. You are good. And I celebrate you in my life. I want to follow you with my life. In your name, I pray. Amen.